Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, we're sipping mocktails, working on our tans, and bastardizing the French language with Franklish. Our journalists parlez-vous français in anticipation of the creatively named September Rendezvous. Much like a perno on ice, the second business interruption test case is strangely opaque, and we put the final nail on the coffin for Franco-Australian international relations as we reach for the Brie and Bordeaux to manage our own wellness in this lockdown. Hello everyone, or bonjour. On the panel today are publisher Terry McMullen, managing editor John Deeks, and deputy editor Wendy Pugh. Bonjour, Terry, ça va? Bonjour. Yes, but please, not not this early in the day. Don't hit me with French. <laughs> I, my French, I, I learned in the Congo, so it's a little bit strange. <laughs> well, bonjour, Wendy. Bonjour, Andrew. You're the cultured one in this podcast. I mean, a low bar, I know. Who's your favourite French philosopher? My favourite French philosopher? I don't know if I have one. Um, perhaps I could just... Um, name a writer can we say Simone de Beauvoir (laughs) oh very nice very nice and hello to our resident roast beef John good morning John hello you probably speak French better than the rest of us don't you I got a B in GCSE French if that helps well it's much better than me much better than me well on to this week's key stories so to start with John of course I know exactly what rendezvous de Saint-Tombre is but could you give those less informed a quick overview? Yes, so it's it's an annual gathering in Monte Carlo of uh, a- anyone and everyone associated with the reinsurance industry, really. Yeah, as I say, usually happens in Monte Carlo and there's lots of social activities to go with all the debate and discussion. But um, for the last two years, that hasn't happened much to many people's disappointment, I guess. They've still done the talking about the issues in the market. But unfortunately, no mass gathering in Monte Carlo. Well, Wendy, you could have been sunning yourself poolside in Monte Carlo, but sadly, you're having to cover it from home. That hasn't stopped you reporting on some of the key reinsurance industry issues, has it? No, there's been quite a few reinsurance-related reports uh, released and presentations delivered. And overall, they're pointing to rates being on the rise and the reinsurance industry having plenty of capacity. Uh, And they're also talking about rising impacts from the type of catastrophes that they describe as uh, as secondary perils. Um, And um, Swiss Re um, put out something saying that uh, global uh, non-life premiums by the end of the year will be back to pre-COVID levels. And they also released a report taking a long-term view and uh, looking at the property and casualty market uh, to 2040. And in that, they say that the premiums will more than double to $4.3 trillion. And within that, there will be a rebalancing sort of promoter to property, partly driven by climate impacts uh, and also technology. Not a lot of our listeners would be sort of focusing on the reinsurance market. What does that mean for insurers, brokers, underwriting agents and uh, and the industry here? Well, I mean, it all trickles down. So, I mean, you know, reinsurers, I guess, are up the top. So, um, you know, their, their view is, is pretty important for, for everybody. And you think it's looking positive? Well, in terms of um, the fact that they've um, got plenty of capacity, I think that's, uh, that's uh, certainly a positive thing. Terry, how important is Rendezvous? And can it still work without the face-to-face side? Well, it has done for a couple of years, or it had did do last year. The thing about Reinsurance Rendezvous, it's a conference, but not a conference as we know it. Uh, it it's meetings. It's over coffee or lunch or dinner 
or cocktails whenever. The reinsurance uniform for the week is polo shirts and Bermuda shorts, and it attracts everyone who's who in insurance and reinsurance, plus a big contingent of brokers and hangers-on like us. Um, but a huge amount of deal-making where tens of billions gets done in those coffee bars, bars, restaurants, etc. And incidentally, the, the deals are finalised a couple of months later in Baden-Baden, which must be the most boring town in Europe. So as to whether ins- reinsurers, insurers will be able to do deals without all that face-to-face discussion, well, why the hell not? We've all learned how to do business via Zoom, etc. So the executives who are missing out on Monte Carlo again this year will just have to suck it up. Well, Wendy, in anticipation of being unable to uh, sit poolside, you've also been tuning into the ongoing BI second test case. Do you get any sense of how it's going? Well, uh, definitely no sense of what the outcomes will be. And there are a lot of issues being looked at, so there could be a lot of complexity in the in the court's decision. You know, but one of the um, interesting things that came up was uh, in relation to a separate QBE claim, uh, which is being heard at the same time, where they argue that Section 61A of the Victorian Property Law Act means exclusion wording citing the repealed Quarantine Act are, are actually valid. Um, and of course, in the first test case, which didn't address that particular uh, Victorian legislation, it was found that wording citing the Quarantine Act uh, weren't valid for COVID-19. But the case has also looked at if the court finds cover does apply in any of these various matters, how will losses be calculated? And it will be interesting to see if the federal court takes a similar view to that in a test case that was decided in the UK earlier this year. And there's been a bit of a debate as to what the relevance is of that. Well, John, we seem to say this every week, but on top of this, there's been yet another court action launched, hasn't there? Yes, another one. This time it's Melbourne's major theatres that have filed Victorian Supreme Court action against ANSFAR Insurance, seeking cover for pandemic business interruption losses totalling more than $20 million. The writ says COVID-19 was a notifiable human infectious or contagious disease. There was an outbreak within 25 kilometres of the venues and the theatres were forced to shut due to a government authority order. ANSFAR says it wouldn't be appropriate to discuss the court action at this stage, so we'll have to wait to hear its take on things. But it seems to be another blow to the industry, which was hoping the test cases would be sufficient to provide clarity across the board. Well, on a different note, John, the uh, IAL brand is no more. Can you tell us what's happened here? Yes. So perhaps to start with, it's important to stress that we're not talking about IAG's licensing entity, which is also called IAL, but a specific IAG brand which distributes motor, home and landlord products exclusively via the Steadfast Client Trading Platform. This IAL brand is set to be axed following a review of IAG's broker personal lines business, which will shortly be consolidated under the CGU brand. CGU will join the steadfast client trading platform marketplace by the end of this financial year, selling personal lines products through steadfast brokers. IAG CEO Nick Hawkins says it's an important step to simplify the business will help ensure the company can provide the best products for brokers and partners. Well, Terry, what do you think about this switch? Well, it's all very easy to uh, to read a press release from, from IAG explaining it, but I, I've got to tell you, it 
took me an hour or two to understand it. This isn't new. The big insurers have been reducing regulatory exposures and, and cutting some significant costs out for quite a while by shoving their peripheral or niche businesses under a single license, which in the case of IAG has been IAL. I mean, it's not that many years ago when they were running anything up to eight different licenses for some of these businesses. The arrangement they've arrived at is a, is a bit of a confusing mess, to be kind. The IAL license will still exist, even though we talk about the brand dying, because it has companies like IAG Re and, and Health Insurer HBF and others in there. So as I understand, what we're really just seeing is the transfer of the intermediated brands that operate for brokers through the steadfast trading platform. What we do have to wonder if this is really, is, is this the end of the, the venerable and highly respected WFI insurance brand, which, which really, when you think about it, will probably end up absorbed into the CGU brand and disappear. Well, Jared Hill gets started this week. I imagine that that's one of the issues amongst many others that we can expect in IAG's intermediated businesses. Is that right, Terry? Yeah, look, I'm sure Jared Hill has plans uh, when he, I think he starts and this week. He certainly has plans, I'm sure, that to deal with all this uh, because I know that this has been hanging around IAG for, for quite a long time, th this whole issue of of a multiplicity of brands where they don't won't, don't really need them. But I wouldn't presume to even guess what Jared's plans should be, and certainly not here anyway. He hasn't called you and asked for your advice yet? Not yet, not yet, but, but I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs> Well, Wendy, moving on, the ICA has released its first catastrophe resilience report. What's this all about and what are the key points? Well, this, this is planned to be an annual publication that puts the focus on the impact of natural disasters on communities and what's needed so the insurance industry is as well-placed as possible to respond. So it says the insured losses totaled $2.3 billion from the period from the Halloween hailstorms in Queensland last October to the June Victorian storms and floods. And ICIS pointed out in its policy response section that the current border restrictions are hindering the movement of insurance people and builders and tradies. And this is going to be a major issue for whatever catastrophes might take place in the, um, in the upcoming disaster season. Um, so they're, they're looking for some uh, national cabinet action on this. Has ICA got a point on the border issues, Terry? Sure they do. Getting claims professionals and repair specialists into disaster areas as quick as possible has, has really always been seen as essential because of efficient responses help traumatise victims. And sometimes after a disaster, things work really well with the authorities in terms of getting into disaster sites, but a lot of times they don't. Border issues only make it many times more difficult. So it's good to see ICA addressing this issue well before the summer disaster season. It's something that really does have to be sorted out. And finally, Terry, Insurance News released a wellness survey last week to find out how the industry's workforce is coping with COVID and the many challenges the associated restrictions have brought. Can you tell the listeners what we're doing and why? Well, we did this on uh, Are You OK Day last week, and it was it, the um, survey is really just designed to give us a, a picture of how people are really 
coping with the real trials that come from lockdowns, etc. This has probably been the toughest year I can think of for individuals within the industry, and we just wanted to get a, a flavour uh, of, of what is going on and, and maybe be, a, be able to draw an overall picture for the industry rather than because the companies that are asking their staff aren't going to be telling anybody outside what is going on. I think this was a, a, a really good initiative, and thank you, Andrew, for first suggesting it. And I think that certainly the, we have already said that to uh, everybody that, that we will share the results with them. And, and from what we seem to have seen so far, that there's certainly some quite interesting things that uh, we will be able to highlight from it. It's going to be a very different world in the next year for people in terms of, of work and life balance. And we want to see if we can we can actually help to provide some pointers to where we could go. Well, John, Terry's uh, sort of alluded to some of the responses, but what has the response been like so far? Pretty good. We've had uh, more than 800 surveys completed so far and we it's still open to people to fill in so go to our website and you'll find a link to the survey yeah i mean we we hear all the time about the mental health impacts of of covid and 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 covid lockdowns so it's really important i think to get a handle on how many people are struggling, what they're struggling with, and what can be done about it. It's difficult to know what everyone else is going through. You talk, you know, we talk to us, uh, each other and see how we're going, but you never know what, uh, what someone else is having to deal with, something they have, someone else is having to cope with. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight Podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to the panel, Terry McMullen, John Deeks, and Wendy Pugh. Enjoy your week, and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week. Au revoir.